Welcome to the Old Ways for the New Age podcast, where we weave the threads of traditional living into the tapestry of modern day life. I'm your host, Hannah, and I'm a naturopath, herbalist, and passionate plant lover here to discuss topics such as daily ritual, intentional living, witchcraft, herbal astrology, plus sharing interviews with inspiring guests, and so much more. Thank you for being here, and I hope you enjoy this week's episode. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a podcast review if you enjoy my content. I wish to honour and express my deepest gratitude to the traditional custodians of the unceded land on which I live and record, the Wanjaraburra people. I want to acknowledge their elders, past, present and emerging, and their continued connection to the land, sea and community. This always was and always will be Aboriginal land. Hello everybody and welcome back to this week's episode. I'm here this week to talk to you about Samhain, which is also known quite often as All Hallows Eve, but traditionally it's Samhain and it is basically the deep depths of autumn as we transition into winter. So let's get into it. In the Celtic language, Samhain translates to summer's end or the end of summer, which is exactly what it is. (laughs) And it is the finishing of the season's harvest uh, in the archetypes, the god is about to be slain, and the goddess, who is pregnant, heavily pregnant with his child at this point, uh, you know, rules, rules up on earth as the god heads to the underworld, and she mourns his loss, but knows that without death there can be no rebirth, and basically when she has her child, he is reborn, and starts the cycle all over again. So that can be a little bit confusing. Um, Francis Billinghurst has a great book, which I couldn't actually dig out this morning, But uh, yeah, her book explains it really fantastically well. So I highly recommend giving her as a read. And it's also targeted at the Southern Hemisphere. Like it's written for people in the Southern Hemisphere, which I think is really fantastic. And we could totally use more resources like that. (laughs) Uh, So at this time of year, the thing that is most well known about it is that it is a liminal time. It is a time also... Throughout the year, it is the time that is the most connected to other realms. The veil is the thinnest. So this means that between our world, the realm of the dead, and the realm of the fae, and the fairy folk, we are very closely connected. So there are just very, very thin veils between us, and there's a lot of crossover that happens. So this time of year is a time of year where people might be seeing more spirits, having more experiences with either you know, passed on loved ones or, you know, other types of spirits like that. Or conversely, again, your nature spirits like fairies and fae folk of all kinds. So that is a really interesting thing about this time of year, I think. And it is really a time to connect with your ancestors. That is what is most well known about Samhain is it's a time to connect with the dead. And because the veils are thin, there are many ways you can now do this this time of year. So this is definitely the time of year to be paying attention to in-between spaces. So again, we're talking about liminal spaces. So not only is this time of year a liminal time of year where we're between something, that's what liminal kind of means, we're in between something. So you want to be paying attention this time of year to liminal spaces. So this might include something as simple as a doorway. A lot of talk about shorelines and, you know, the shores of bodies of water being liminal spaces between the land and the water which makes a lot of sense. We're talking about thresholds, windows, crossroads, um, borders. So if you're crossing a border between one land to another, uh, these kinds of things. 
uh, spaces and times as well. So dawn and dusk are notoriously <laughs> like in between times, between day and night. And also midnight is considered a liminal space as well. So that's, you know, you probably heard of it referred to as the witching hour, but you know, that these, these things are every day and every night, the dawn and the dusk are always, and midnight are always times where people have had more kind of fey experiences and a lot of spells take place sometimes at midnight. So, um, or dawn and dusk. And that is because again, it's between, it's a, it's a liminal space where the veils are thinner. So just keep in mind that, you know, if you are wanting to protect your households, definitely look at like doors and windows and the crossing of the threshold, like your main front door as well. And I also just would protect the hearth this time of year. And the hearth was quite a central part of celebrating Samhain. Um, there's actually a tradition where, one, you know, once people had gone to their Samhain bonfires, parties, feasts, celebrations in their town, they would bring a torch and they would have had their hearth fire burning all day and they would bring a torch from that celebration and they would douse the fire they'd had all day and they would relight it with the torch from their celebration. And this was being seen as removing evil spirits, protecting them from evil spirits and things that wish to do them harm and reigniting their fire for the depths of winter, which I think is really lovely. I guess something else that's important to mention too is that this is known in modern society as Halloween. And look, there's a lot of contention about how this happened, but I think the general accepted theory is, or, or not even theory, but like accepted history, historical retelling is that the Christian church decided to take on yet another pagan holiday <laughs> and try to convert people through this holiday. So um, they came up with All Hallows Eve and then there's another one as well. But um yeah, it, you know, that's where it kind of then turned into this Halloween celebration uh, that we have now, which is, it actually has a lot of the original nods to the traditional celebrations of uh, Samhain. But like, so for example, dressing up, people would dress up to protect them, hide them from evil spirits. They would dress up as evil spirits so that the spirits couldn't find them. Um, and people still dress up for Halloween now and there's just a lot of lore around apple bobbing and, you know, all sorts of celebrations that people do, even like having uh, a party and that's, that was traditional and well, it was just slightly different kind of party, <laughs> but people are still having parties now and fire bonfires are still popular this time of year. And so, yeah, that, I just wanted to mention that traditional Halloween is, is what we got you know, what filtered through and was diluted and became Halloween was originally Samhain. Um, but also we celebrate Samhain here <laughs> this time of year. So in the States, the Northern Hemisphere, particularly the States, celebrates Halloween, we know this, um, and they celebrate it in October. And that is because that actually is a lot in alignment with their seasons. Uh, that is their autumn and so here we're celebrating it now while they celebrate Beltane, um, you know, and that this makes sense for us. And when you look at the weather, like, you know, the weather's cooling down, the winds have started, thing crops from summer are dying um, off and we're harvesting the last little bits. We've got our elderberries that are ready for picking. Um, this is the perfect time for us to be celebrating this holiday. So whilst I already know the basics of Samhain and actually more than the basics, I 
do always like to do a little bit of extra reading for these podcast episodes. And so I found a bit of traditional law, which I thought was really fascinating on druidry.org talking about, they had a lot of um, kind of traditional stories and, and yeah, folklore around this celebration. And so one of them that I thought was really interesting is they talked about fairies were seen to be migrating from the summer hillocks to the winter barrows on Samhain night. And if you had families that were captured by fairies that year, this was the one night of the year that you could win them back. So you could snatch them off their fairy mounts as they rode by. And this also was inspired by a famous, famous Scottish legend, Tam Lynn, which is the story of a young maiden who rescued her lover from the fairies off the back of his mount. Um, and so it's talking about the story of them and yeah, I just think that that's really interesting. And there's actually a book series called October day. Um, if you've never read it, it's actually quite good. It's, um, it's about the Fae, but in a more modern context and they actually have a bit of a retelling of that, that story in the book, especially the part where I'm reading right now. Um, and I didn't realize that that was actually a real his like, you know, folkloric story of Tam Lin. So definitely if you're into that kind of inspired by the Fae, then definitely check out that book series. And yeah, so we can leave offerings for the Fae this time of year. And this was a traditional thing to do to appease them so that families and livestock would survive a long winter. Uh, but also we can leave offerings for pukas. That was a traditional thing. I think I'm saying it right. Puka. And they were shapeshifters that came for harvest offerings. And so Again, a big part of this celebration is leaving offerings for spirits of all kinds. And, you know, so that was quite traditional. And then there's also a tradition of a dumb supper. I don't know how I feel about the name, but I'm sure traditionally it meant something a little bit different. I would suspect it means it, they've used the word dumb because it was a silent supper. <laughs> so um, basically you would all have a silent meal and you would leave uh, set a place at the table to honor your ancestors. So a place for either usually I think it was just one place for all your ancestors and you would make them a plate just like yours and you would have a silent dinner reminiscing about them and connecting with them and rekindling sparks with them and yeah that is what you would do a dumb supper and so a big part of it is leaving offerings for your ancestors and you can do that through a supper kind of situation it doesn't have to be silent like do what works for you. Um, it's also nice to tell stories about your ancestors while you're having a dinner. I think it's really nice. And I, this year will definitely set a place for my ancestors, but you can also leave an offering on your altar space for them. Um, and then also, you know, whatever is meaningful to you. So you could leave one outside if you have like an outdoor altar, or maybe you have a favorite plant that, you know, you got from a grandparent or reminds you of somebody, um, or you feel like it connects you with your ancestors, then definitely do that. Maybe there's a native plant that's, you know, indigenous to your culture. Um, you could leave an offering with, but yeah, I think that that's a really beautiful way to acknowledge and honor your ancestors. Also talking about altars, we've kind of touched on this and touched on this with Eleni for sure, but having an altar space where you either feature the colors or often photographs of your ancestors or, you know, things that you have from them. So I have a lot of shells from my grandmother. And so I have the shells on my altar. But she also loved frogs. So I could, you know, choose to put a frog on my altar. Like a frog figurine or something like that. Just to honour her. 
Um, something else that I thought was really interesting was I came across a traditional called burning a tradition called burning mail, and so it's kind of relate. I feel like it's a little related to burning your your what you want to let go of. However, in this case, the intention is that you're sending letters to the afterlife. So basically, everybody gets together and you're all they're very specific about saying that you have a smoke cleansing of some kind. And this is to make it definitely a much more auspicious time, something that you're really um, coming into with deep reverence for your ancestors and, you know, connecting with them. And so you would do that and then you would all silently write your letters to a person who's passed. And then you come together and you burn them in the, you know, sow and bonfire. And you all basically envision them ending off to your loved ones in the afterlife. And so, yeah, I think that that's really interesting as well. And I definitely want to try that at some point. Some other really quite traditional ways of celebrating this time of year is to carve a pumpkin. And usually you would carve it as a protection symbol. So you can definitely do that. I think still at this time of year, I would love to slice an apple. So if you slice an apple straight through the middle sideways, like is it short ways <laughs> on the side? And you can actually see that inside the apple, there is a five pointed star, like a pentagram. So a traditional thing to do is to slice the apple thinly and hang the slices of apple outside your home or places you want to protect. So that's really a fun activity as well. And I think that that's something that kids would also love as well as carving pumpkins, but obviously, um, safety first. <laughs> and, uh, also reflecting, it's a real big time for reflection. So look at yourself. How do you feel about death for starters, which me, I definitely have, you know, issues with that. So something I need to work through and have continued to work through most of my life so far. And, you know, why do you feel the way you do? And is there a way you can connect deeper and be less fearful of death? If that's something that bothers you. But if it's not, also, it's a good time to look at what in your life needs to die off to make space for rebirth. So what, you know, what is holding you back? What are the things that are tying you down, stopping you from moving forward? How could we then burn them off and allow new growth, new life to start? Think about when a bushfire is is going on and then afterwards, you know, it looks like a burnt mess and, you know, you feel sad because all of these trees were burnt. Um, as we know, indigenous cultures did burnings uh, as like a regular thing. And I think that that's really important that we let indigenous cultures come back in with their knowledge and wisdom and how you know, of how to care for the earth because they lived in harmony with the earth and still do. And so it's really important that we let their indigenous practices come back through, I think, in modern society. However, that aside, um, you know, you can then start to see little shoots come back up and actually a lot of mushroom species thrive after a fire. That's actually how they, they grow is they come in and they come up out of the ground after a fire has been through. And so it's really an important part of life as well and a part of nature. And so I like also that fires are really a part of pretty much every single celebration on the wheel of the year, because it is, you know, it's one of the elements. It's an important element. And so, you know, it's it's important to observe and acknowledge how the elements show up in our everyday life. And of course, in the world around us, looking at nature, we can never go wrong by observing nature. <laughs>
So in Celtic culture, trees were really important as well, are very important. And so I did come across a couple of trees that were seen to be connected with Samhain. And so those are the yew tree, which represents endings, beginnings, and it's a symbol of eternity. They live for a very, very long time. And especially in Druidism, yew is quite a very sacred tree. Uh, And the other one was elder, which I think is so appropriate because especially as we look at this time of year, all of our elderberries are out and it's the perfect time of year to make elderberry syrup. So if you haven't done that already and maybe you don't have an elder tree, first of all, they're really easy to grow. Just be mindful as they can spread really easily and really quickly. So just be conscious of that, but they grow really easily. And elderberries, if you haven't heard of them before, they're a herb that they're incredible for your immune system. So they're antiviral too, which I think is something we don't have like a huge amount of antivirals. And so yeah, really beautiful for this time of year. So traditionally like a folk remedy is you would basically decoct, like boil the berries. You don't want to eat them raw, just as a side note, not, not good to be eaten raw, toxic. Um, but you boil the berries and then you strain off the berries and you mix it with honey or maple syrup and you make a syrup. Um, honey definitely lasts the longest in the fridge. Maple, in my opinion, tastes better and balances the flavor better. However, you can also just make it on maple syrup and then freeze it in ice cube trays. So that is also an option. And the elder tree commonly comes up in paganism and witchcraft as a very sacred tree. Um, it's seen to be very protective, which again, it protects your body and your, you know, your immune system from viruses and bacteria and things like that illnesses. So it, it is literally protective, but also spiritually, energetically protective. And I did once read once upon a time that um, people would plant it, witches would plant it outside their kitchens uh, as a protection there, um, probably also particularly while they were doing spell work and things like that. The, the one thing you don't want to do with at least elder is you don't really want to prune a branch. It's not the kind of tree you bring inside for ceremony like that. Um, you would just take what berries you actually need and you would leave the rest Um, because also berries are known to live under elder trees and you really just don't want to disturb the fairies. If we know anything, we know that. So also mugwort and dandelion root specifically are great this time of year. Rosemary and thyme are fantastic as well. Just think of any basically antibacterial, antiviral herbs. So mugwort too especially if you want to go into that dream work and dream connecting with your ancestors, then mugwort would be great for that too. Um, And then in terms of foods, because I love talking about food, mulled wine, apple cider, both really fantastic this time of year. I actually did make um, apple cider for Maybon and it was so delish. So definitely give that a go. But mulled wine is probably even more specific for this season, especially with that beautiful blood red color. Like that's really... um, iconically Samhain. So definitely give that a go if you're into that. And then anything with apples, pumpkins, root vegetables, because think the energy is now going back to the roots, right? Like it's not up, we're not blooming flowers at the moment. We're not putting things to seed. Everything has finished in that regard. And the energy is going back to the roots and back to the earth. So root vegetables, definitely fantastic. So things, think things like roasts, Roasts, stews, soups, pies, sweet or savory, (laughs) harvest salads. So any little bits you have left in the garden, you would chuck in a salad, usually with some apple 
And also soul cakes are a really traditional sweet to make this time of year. And so they're basically a type of small round sweet cookie. Cookie is what mostly what I've seen, but also people make like pancakes, pikelets, things like that. And traditionally they are made with raisins. So add raisins to them as well. And so I hope this was interesting to you. I hope that you are ready and feel prepared for Samhain. And yeah, I don't know if you can hear the rain outside, but it's raining right now and it's really lovely. So um, I'm just really, really getting excited now that I live in a place where we get the seasons. It's so nice. It feels so good. And I've got a fireplace and, you know, we can really, really lean into this season and um, enjoy it for everything that it has to offer. So yeah, pay attention this week too, to the world around you. What are the trees doing where you are? What is nature doing? Are the birds around? What kinds of birds are around? What kind of wildlife can you see? Because nature really gives us everything we need to know that's you know relevant to us because um, it's different for each area, just like you know the celebrations would be. And you know, I think the biggest thing is to make your practice unique to you and you know uniquely suited to your life so yeah i hope that you connect with your ancestors this Samhain that you eat some really good food this Samhain and i definitely look forward to delving deeper into specific things to do with Samhain next year or even i could do another episode on this this year if you let me know <laughs> if you're interested uh, because there's folklore to do with cats and all sorts of like really specific things so i could definitely talk about this all day but yeah enjoy and I'll talk to you all next week mm-hmm.